Hello and welcome to Dear Perry and Menopause. I'm your host, Joe Dodd. I'm an author, speaker and coach and also at the moment working a full-time job in corporate America. Yes, I'm here to show you that you can do it all. Just because you're in or entering midlife and possibly dealing with the sneaky snarky sisters Perry and menopause doesn't mean you have to put your life on hold. Why not come with me on this journey where we will learn, laugh and lead our way together. Let's change the paradigms and release the stigmas associated with perimenopause and menopause. Let's chat with experts, share our stories, create our menofestos and figure out a way to menoshine because no one should have to pause. Hi, it's Joe. This week on the podcast, I have a real treat of a conversation for you. It's with Kate Kripke, a good friend of mine who is a licensed clinical social worker and perinatal mental health counselor in the state of Colorado. For over 20 years, Kate has focused her work on supporting the mental health of mothers as a therapist, coach, consultant, author, and speaker. She is the founding director of the Postpartum Wellness Center of Boulder, the author of the book, Reinventing Supermum, Support, Encouragement and Strategies for New Mums Who Feel Lost, and a co-host on the podcast, Motherhood Uncut. She's also the mom of two teenage daughters. She offers group and individual mental health coaching to mothers everywhere. This episode I have saved specifically to time it for Mother's Day here in the US. But wherever you are, whether you're a mom or not, the conversation she just drops so many gems so yes it's a long one maybe break it up into segments if you can't listen to all of it at once but I would love to hear how you like and enjoy this conversation with Kate she is just one of those individuals that I'm just so honored to know her she's just an absolute gem enjoy Kate, hi. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am so excited for this conversation. Joe, this is literally making my day. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, of course. I I know we've got tons that we can talk about and I'm sure we won't be able to cover all of it today, but I thought if we could start by you could share a bit about your journey, talk a little bit about the work you do, but also what led you to the work that you do today. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I am by training and the way I identify myself professionally is a maternal mental health specialist. So I am doing a lot of sort of more virtual outreach work, coaching, consulting, speaking, writing on maternal mental health um, right now. Um, but I started my work as a psychotherapist and the founder of a maternal and early mental health clinic here in Boulder called the postpartum wellness center. Interestingly, when I went back to school to get my degree in social work, I thought I was going to be, I thought I really, really wanted to be an adolescent therapist. So someone who worked with teens and in particular, I had this niche or desire to have a niche for teen girls, probably because I was one once in my life. <laughs> um, I learned very quickly in that journey that those teenagers did not want to be in my office talking with me, but their mothers did. Um, yeah. And so I sort of shifted my perspective on 
you know, family health from looking at what's happening with those kids and how do we get the kids the support they need to what's happening with the mothers and how do we get women the support that they need. But, you know, rewind even farther back um, before that, I was raised in a in a really loving, very privileged um, family uh, with two parents. I had one brother. My parents were got divorced when I was in ninth grade, but were together for much of my early childhood. Both of them were exceptionally anxious. And mm-hmm. I grew up with a lot of anxiety, panic attacks, fear, mm-hmm. uncertainty um, that I really had to learn how to work through and manage moving into my adult life. And that's really the basis of my work now is how do we get, how do we help mothers really get to a place where they are feeling good? They're feeling grounded. They're feeling joyful, purposeful, quote unquote, in control, both so that they enjoy their lives, Mm -hmm. but also so that their kids have what their kids need to be healthy and well. So it's sort of a twofer, the work that I do. That's a snapshot for you. And there's a lot there that you've just covered. I think that's, I love that it's a twofer. I love that the advice that you give and the work that you do helps not only the moms, but then then the the children as well. It really does. And I think, you know, bringing it to this group for this podcast, talking more so about women in their forties and fifties. I know there's so much there that we can get into and and the work you do around not only have you got these, and and again, this isn't just for mothers. So this could be any woman in her forties and fifties, but let's talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, we call it the sandwich generation where you've got a a mom or a woman in her forties or fifties who might have aging parents or who've lost a parent recently and, and possibly has children who are teenagers or even adult Mm -hmm. children and then on top of that is going through some hormonal changes in her life which leads to anxiety and depression and all the things that that we hear about what are some what are some common you know I guess issues that you see and the work that you do what what are some common things that come up with women in that age range yeah, such a great cut, uh, question. And maybe we can back up just a moment and I'll comment about a couple of things that you said. One is that I, I really, truly believe that I'm going to say most and not all, because we can't, we can't really say all, but most women are maternal, whether they're maternal to human little people yep. or maternal towards a pet or a home or plants or a hobby or a career, right? That we are friends, that we sort of are inherently maternal as women. And I think one of the things that I focus on in my mental health work with women is what does it look like to take care of ourselves within the context of the relationships that we care about? Mm-hmm. And so of course, in my maternal mental health work, I'm talking about how, what does it look like to take care of yourself in the context of your relationship with your children, mm-hmm. right? But we could be talking about relationships with anything. And I think mm-hmm. women generalization, but in general, women are taught to look outward we're not taught to look inward. And when we look outward all the time, we get more and more depleted. And then we can't show up the way we want to in our life. Even if it's, you know, if we're not a a parent of children, we can't show up the way we want to with our friends or our family or our jobs or our community. Right. Right, So we could call maternal, we could put maternal mental health in quotes and anybody listening who's doesn't have children of her own I think can relate to that concept. Yeah. 
Yeah. The other thing I'll just comment on, and you and I talked about this before we started recording, is um, when we look at, we, there are three times in a woman's life where mood is the most impacted because hormones shift the most dramatically. Puberty, childbearing, and menopause, mm. right? And so really what we're talking about when we look at the mood impacts of those three stages of a woman, girl, female, woman's life is we're talking about reproductive mental health, right? All three of those big stages have to do with reproduction, right? Mm -hmm. When we're when in, in adolescence, in puberty, we're developing our reproductive systems, right? We're, we're menstruating for the first time. We know how that impacts our mood, right? And then of course, if, if a woman is menstruating every month, she's going to have mood shifts every month. Childbearing, biggest shift in hormones, right? Another big shift. And then menopause, those hormones shift again, as we quote unquote, lose our capacity to mm -hmm. child, to bear children, right? And so that perimenopause, menopause actually is a, we look at it very similarly to the it, physiological, to the way that we do during childbearing and puberty. There are different losses at each stage. And I think right. that's a big part of where perimenopause and menopause become really specific to that time frame in our 50s, 40s and 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. as we're nearing sort of that other chapter of life right? As we're getting farther away from our youth, there's a whole kind of set, a whole spectrum mm. of different, you know, qualities of living or how we think of ourselves that we are letting go of. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's so, I love the way that you just, you just rounded that out because it is, there is so there, you know, those three key points. I've never actually thought of it as, as three key points in your life that, that do impact your mood in the biggest way. Yeah, absolutely love that. I also love what you said about as women, we are generally taught to look outwards and yeah. not inwards. Can you talk a bit more about that in terms of how you see that and, and what are some ways that you help women look inwards? Because that can be really scary for someone who's never really done that before. Yeah. I mean, let me preface this, Joe, by just acknowledging that what I'm about to say is our big generalizations. This is yes. not the case for everybody, but I right. do think it's true that there are some generalized ways that females are raised in this world, right? Those that identify as girls and women are taught to show up in the world a certain way. And this is historical. We're getting better at this, right? Yeah. In 2023, yeah. we're teaching our daughters how to have larger voices and take up more space and protect themselves and advocate for themselves. But that's not generally how girls are taught to show up in the world. I think when we go way back to sort of the earliest socialization of children, right? If we're socializing, you know, again, generally girls or boys, girls are taught to be quiet, yeah. right? Yes. Boys are taught that it's okay to be loud and that we may be taught that directly, or we may be taught that just by experience and, and indirectly, but it's a very significant messaging that happens early, right? I have such clear memories in my life of being so conscious of what was happening around me 
and how I was impacting things around me, but not in the empowering way that you and I work with women now, right. more on the don't take up space, yes. step back, don't be too loud, right? Mm -hmm. I remember as a child, this is so bizarre. I was just thinking about this the other day, how in like elementary and middle school, we'd be like, oh, she loves herself. Yes. As if it was a bad thing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And we're sort of taught so early that our focus should be on taking care of others and not mm -hmm. highlighting ourselves. Yes. That has a major impact as we grow into adults and then have children of our own or take on communities or others that we want to care for. Right. Mm -hmm. Because our instinct is to put all of our attention on the things outside of us because yeah. we quote unquote care about them. And of mm -hmm. course we do, but we get lost in that shuffle. And not only do we get lost and then get confused about what we want and need, we can come back to that. I think that's a question not a lot of women can answer. What yep. do you want? What do you need? Right. We're, so not only do we get farther away from knowing that answer, but yeah. we get, we drop on the totem pole and then we get more overwhelmed and more burnt out and more depleted and more tired. And we can't show up the way mm -hmm. we want to. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I think we go way back and then we look way forward as we look at your population for this podcast. And we're looking at that sort of later life stage, right? Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I think is so interesting I, you and I both turned 50 and my mom passed away six years ago. So I've been doing a lot of sort of deep diving into death and dying and aging. And it's mm -hmm. like, we want to leave a legacy. Absolutely. People want to leave a legacy. And if we have spent our entire life getting farther and farther away from ourselves, mm -hmm. getting quieter and quieter, getting farther into the backdrop rather than the spotlight, there's nothing to leave. Right. 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 So this perimenopause menopause stage, when so much is happening physiologically in our bodies and mentally in our bodies is really this time that we get to start saying, who do I want to be? Yeah. What do I want my legacy to be? What kind of differences do I want to make in the world? And we can't do those things without bringing the spotlight back onto ourselves and taking care of ourselves again. So true. Gosh, so many gems you just dropped in, in that. Yeah, it's so true. And I think that's that's where I'm going with this podcast and with the work I'm doing is around shining that light back inward so that then you can shine it brighter outward. Right. So you've got, you have to fill your tank. And I know this is that's a saying that's said over and over again, but it's so true. You have to go inward before you can really give and shine fully. Um, and that's so Menno Shine, I've created this this community Menno Shine because no one should have to pause. And that's my biggest thing is when I look at I love that. Oh, when I look at I was like, you know, I'm a, from from a training background. So I look at clip art and, you know, little things I can put into various graphics. And I started looking at menopause and it was it was horrendous. All the, you know, old typical looking old women with red cheeks, sweat dripping, holding a clock that's paused. And I thought, this is ridiculous that we're still in 2023 thinking that this is how menopause should be. Um, but I really, I love what you're, what you're saying about you have to, there's so much that we want. And I think we see the clock ticking 
And then we have these hormones raging in our body at this time again. So there's so much going on. How, How do you kind of, how would you coach someone who is so burnt out that she doesn't even know what she wants? So going back to your question, I don't know, you know, I know now, but I don't know what I want. I don't know what I need. I just know I'm miserable. How do you coach someone? I know that's a big great, question. <laughs> great question. And maybe we could start that answer because I go to, I mean, it's so interesting to hear you talk about these old school visuals, right? Yeah. Of the clock and the, and, and the pause. But what if we were actually to just rather than needing to change, to get rid of the word and not pause, what if we were just to redefine it? Because I know you, you agree with this. We've talked about it. There's so much value in the pause as long as it's, as long as it's intentional, right? So that we don't feel like we're a victim to it and we have to stop or pause, but like, what if we actively chose to pause and the first step in answering your question, that question, what do we even want and need is to be willing to pause, right? <laughs> because when we're running on burnout and overdrive, we're almost always in a place of chronic stress. Mm. So many of us can relate to that, right? <laughs> the part of our brain that's alive and online is fight and flight. Yeah. We're living in the past or the future. We're not in the present because mm-hmm. we're speeding ahead 10 steps. We're thinking 10 steps at the head or we're holding on to something we c- can't let go of or don't think we can let go of from the past. Right. The way to answer that question is to get curious, to yeah. be willing to not know and get curious. And the part of the brain that's required for that kind of thinking is not limbic brain, fight and flight and freeze. It's frontal cortex, mm-hmm. rational, thought, logical thinking, right? So- The first thing we need to be willing to do is to pause, feel our feet on the floor, take a long, deep breath, slow everything down, and then be willing to not know the answer Hmm. long enough to ask the question. So many of us feel shame that we don't know. Like it's a problem to not know. The moment's a problem. We're keeping ourselves in fight and flight, right? To be willing to not know long enough to ask the question is where we have to start. Oh, that just gave me chills. I love that. And I love the redefining pause because that's so true. And I do agree with that fully yes. in there's pause and there's pause. So the pause around, <laughs> around having to pause on your entire life yes. and it's no longer, and it's just going to be miserable. No, but relaxing and allowing, that was a key word for me this year is allowing what am I willing to allow into my life and my coach recently said to me she's like Joe your number one priority is to relax and I was like oh they gave me you know oh I don't know I don't know if I can do that because there is still ingrained all of this I have to move 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 but you're so right when you can get grounded I love when you say put your feet on the floor and just one of my quickest, easiest, tangible tips. I mean, your listeners could do it right now. Like mm-hmm. literally feel the sensation of the bottom of your foot on the floor. I have trained my brain to do that 78 times a day. Yeah. It now is just habit. And to me, the metaphor is that is, oh, I'm right here talking to Joe Dodd on her podcast. Right. This is where I am right now. 
So I can put down whatever it is that my brain wants to stress about that's happening later or happened earlier. I can be right in this moment, I'm okay. In this moment, I'm having a lovely conversation. And that turns on the part of my brain, that frontal cortex, which is where all the good stuff lives. You know, rational thinking, curiosity, creativity, logical thinking, problem solving, right? It all lives here. Right. We have to slow down. It's like the pause and pivot. We can keep moving. Yes. Right. We don't have to stop, pause forever, but we right. have to pause to pivot. Right. Pause and pivot. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. And and it was funny. We said this just before I hit record too. I think I loved as I'm recording this today. The post that you just put on Instagram yeah. was was all about this, and it was about you know starting small. And I'm I'm looking for my notes because I know I wrote it down what you said somewhere, but just oh that was it. Start small and travel far. And I love yeah. that because I think again there's a certain type of, of woman that I, and I was definitely one of them, that type A have to just go, yeah, go, me too. go, you I know, was playing it, with you and I was playing yeah. with you and that, and that we were rumbling together over we there. Were. For a long time. <laughs> we were, and it's really difficult to step back from that. But I think when you can, and I think we've both been successful in that, it brings this other level joy that I've never experienced before of, of, like you said, of just getting curious and not knowing the answer is actually really fun. <laughs> Whereas before that, I, couldn't, I couldn't accept that. That is really hard for humans. I think yeah. the idea of not knowing and uncertainty is really hard for women, for humans. I think it's also really hard for women when we feel responsible for something or someone other than ourselves, right? Yeah. That idea of, but if I don't know what to do to support or help that person, all hell is going to break loose, right? Something bad is going to happen. And I, so I think we're, I think we're trained to fear again, most humans are that idea of uncertainty. I think that's probably step two. If we're going to come up with a little formula for people, right. <laughs> to find what you want and need. Step one is to pause, right. Feel your yeah. feet on the floor. Step two is be willing to not know the answer. It's okay to not know. Yeah. Right. It's like so many people who I work with that first or second meeting is all about the desperation of not knowing. And, right. and it's like, wait, let's it's OK. It's yeah. actually let's let's look at the not knowing as a gift. You use this word earlier. It's like opportunity. It's fun. It's creative. But mm -hmm. we can't know till we don't know. Exactly. So it's yeah. OK. Yeah. To not know and to wonder, right? Just asking that question or just having that statement, I want to know. Yeah. Right. Just the desire to know opens up that pathway for more information. It absolutely does. Yeah. And I think, and, and getting into what's going on inside when these things are happening to that just made me, I'm jumping ahead to think about, okay, so, you know, you've done step one is pause and, and get curious. Step three, what am I willing not to know? Step two, what I'm willing not to know. Step three, I think maybe in my perspective where people get tripped up then because then they might have an idea of, oh, I'm going to give this a try, but then slip back into that old go, 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 go mentality and, and or inside there's all of that imposter syndrome that starts coming up with whatever it is that you're doing. And that's, I just recorded another solo episode last night and was talking about for me, I'm starting a new nutrition plan. Oh my goodness, it's so, the the raging in my head is so loud. If you can't do this, you've never been successful. Why are you even bothering? Like all of this stuff is coming up. 
I know that I can be aware of it and recognize it and not judge it. And I've, I've now got those tools that I can do that. But do you, would you agree that that's maybe where we get tripped up, maybe possibly, you know, in this theoretical list with, with step three, and then get that puts us right back to the beginning again? Yes. Although I think the reason we get tripped up is because what we're looking for is the doing. Yeah. And not the feeling. Not the, yeah. And, you know, you know this as well as I do. It's not the nutrition plan that we want. It's how we believe that nutrition plan is going to make us feel. Yeah. It's not the new job later in life that we want. It's how we believe that job is going to make us feel, right? So step three, I think to add to, you know, we have, again, I kind of love this. We're making this up. We're coming up with our own. Awesome. Okay, step one is pause. Step uh -huh. two, right, is be willing to not know. Yeah. What comes after step two with the not knowing is, is get curious to ask, yeah. to, to be, to, to get curious about what the answers might be. I think the step after that is asking a really specific question. How mm -hmm. do I want to feel? Oh, I love it. Yeah. What? What thoughts and what actions might I take that will lead me to that feeling? There's only two things in our life that we can control, Joe. I, 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 I if there was a billboard, I would talk about this. <laughs> our own thoughts and our own actions. That's it. That's it. We have yeah. a lot of influence, but not control, right? Yeah. So as we look for that later stage of life, right, if we're in perimenopause or if we've hit menopause and we're coming to terms with all of these new ways of thinking about ourselves and the world and our bodies, the question is, how do I want to feel? Yeah. And what are some actions that I can take that will lead me towards those feelings? Now, there mm -hmm. is going to be some trial and error here. Yep. Right. Because we don't know till we know. And, and, you know, failure is the biggest teacher, right? It's uh -huh. like, we want to look for the failures because then we're closer to what we, to the successes, right? Absolutely. How do I want to feel? Oh, I want to feel, you know, connected. Okay. What's one action I can go take that is a connecting action. Yeah. If I do something connecting, I will feel connected. Right. I love that. And that's, and that is, and then when you do that small, so you take that one thing and you get that down and you take that one action, whatever it is, and, and make that a habit that then is creating that pathway, that neural pathway that, oh, this feels good. This is, this is, you know, this is something I want to be doing and therefore it's going to continue to move in the right direction. I think that's the key is doing that one thing and then you can implement something else. And, and it's just cyclical then to keep asking those questions. That's right. That's what I'm What's, doing with, sorry, with, with Menoshine is we're creating a manifesto. What is it that you want to feel? How do you want to get through this? Because we're all going to go through it. So how would you like to get through it? And let's create a manifesto with that question. Who do I want to be? How do I want to feel? It's so beautiful. And again, generalization, but I think as women, we get, we're taught to get so used to not feeling great. We're taught yeah. to get used to feeling, I mean, there's feeling bad, yeah. which, you know, we're, I don't know that we're taught to feel bad. Many of us do feel bad and we need to figure out why, but what we're taught is to feel meh. We're yeah. taught to feel, to get used to the grind and the burden and the exhaustion because it's part of being a woman or part of being a mother. Mm. That makes me crazy. Mm -hmm. It makes me crazy because then really what we need to begin to peel apart is that big question that you and I have talked about before is what part am I playing in my feelings of meh? 
Yeah. What part am I playing? Yes, yeah. there's lots of things outside of me that are influencing me, but what part am I playing? And man, we get so used to our baseline becomes like, like exhausted or yeah. frustrated and irritated or burn out or right. We get so used to those feelings and there's a whole life where we don't have to feel that way. So true. And I think that that's so key. What you just said, there is a responsibility that we have. And I think when you realize that that took a lot for me to personally realize that because I was really good at looking outward because of my resentment and saying it was everybody else's fault, but mine. Mm. And when I looked inward, then it was, it was really eye opening to say, you know what, I can make some changes that allow me to feel better. And, and it all circled right back to self-worth, self-love, allowing myself to, to accept and, and feel that love. I think this is a catch in perimenopause, right? Mm. Menopause being, of course, when it's all over, right? When we've right. hit menopause, we're through it. But yep. pe- perimenopause is that stage that can last years for some yeah. of us, right? Yeah. It's really easy during that stage to get mad at our bodies. Yeah. To okay. blame our hormones. Yes. Right. And it's not that there isn't some truth in some of that, right. That our hormones are wreaking havoc for us, that our bodies are changing in ways that are really frustrating and uncomfortable and irritating. So it's not that those things aren't true, but if we put all of our thought and all of our attention into the things that are not working for us or that we can't control or can't predict, we're going to feel twice as awful. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So it's there, there's that acceptance that allowing, okay, I am a woman, my body, I, I can't stop the train of perimenopause. Yeah. I can't, it's happening just like right. puberty did, and just like childbirth did when I was pregnant, giving birth to my baby. Like I can't stop my body from doing what it is doing. Right. And I can choose how to respond to it. And I think that's a beautiful place to begin to bring some agency and empowerment and some of those questions, how do I want to feel and what can I do that'll lead me towards that? That is a beautiful place to begin moving forward. It really is. I love that. And I'm so glad you brought that up because, and that's something too, instead of coming from lack or coming from what you don't have, looking at what you do have and then how you'd like to feel, you can get there. An example that just, it's recently hitting me because I'm, you know, starting this nutrition plan. The same thing I asked why, you know, what is it that I want to feel? I want to feel vibrant and healthy. And over the past few days, I've realized I look at my body and I used to, or it's, or I'm still, no, I'll be honest. I still am poking and prodding and, you know, I don't like this. Don't like that. And the other day it hit me that I need to write a poem. I write these poems to dear Perry and menopause, but I, I need to write a poem to my dear meno belly that wobbles like jelly and accept that I love it because this belly has brought me four kids and, you know, I can do something to make it better, but I don't have to hate it while it's here. And that was yeah. key for me. It's so good. And allowing and accepting can look so many different ways, right? That is the ideal that mm. we learn to love the parts of ourselves that we previously hated or rejected, right? Or didn't like, like that is a really profoundly important and amazing place to be able to get to. Many people can't get there. So what yeah. I say to a lot of my folks that I work with, including myself, cause I'm working with myself all the time mm-hmm. is what does it look like to allow myself to not like that part of my body? Ooh. Right? Like what if it wasn't a problem? 
to not be in love with that part of my body. Right. So there's all these places in between where we can allow for acceptance. Now, what that type of allowance does is allows us to put it down. We don't have to keep fighting with our belly or whatever part of our body is. Every time we look in the Mm -hmm. mirror to be like, because we're, we're not resisting the dislike of, right? What if I just gave myself permission to not love my belly? All right. Moving on. Right. (laughs) It's like, we let go of that, that, um, what's it called? The there's no more tug of war. Give ourselves permission to drop it. No problem. Yeah. Right. That can create huge relief for Mm. people at the same time. I do this in, you know, my sort of mental health work, the more emotional and psychological work as well. I know you've done this for yourself. What if I just gave myself permission to be anxious about this thing? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I love my, ang- it's not like I love my anxiety. I'm not going to be like, oh, I love when I feel anxious. Right. But if we just say, I am just going to give myself permission to feel anxious about this. Okay. Yeah. I love Moving on. No problem. And that's so important. Cause I think too, we've talked about this before as well, but this whole premise of, of pretending that those feelings aren't there, that the toxic positivity of I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I just need to choose a better thought. when you allow and you give yourself permission to feel like shit, then you can, and then you can get through it. But it's that, I think that's a key part, right? And I think that is what will lead peri and menopausal women whose bodies are inherently changing. You cannot do anything about it. That is what will lead those women to ultimately get to the place that you're talking about being where they Mm -hmm. love their bodies. But first they have to give themselves permission to not love their bodies. Oh, I love that, Kate. I love that. And you're speaking to me because like, you know, it's like that I've been in that for so many years and actually in saying what I've just said, feeling like I had to love my body. So you've just given me permission to say, you know what, do I have to force that? (laughs) It's such a relief, isn't it? It's like meeting ourselves where we are is the best thing we can do for ourselves. Knowing that we may and may likely evolve and grow. Oh, absolutely. But to meet ourselves where we are right now, like right now, I am not a fan of my aging body. (laughs) Okay. You don't have to be no problem. I love that. Absolutely love that. So another thing I'd love you to just tap on, and I think you've, you've, you've included a lot of it, but at the beginning, you said we're both, t- you, you just turned 50, I'm turning 50 in September. It's a big year for both of us. I love your approach to turning 50 and how, yes. can you talk a bit about that and how you celebrate it and, and how you're feeling about yeah. it? Yeah, it makes me a little teary. I'm still, I'm still feeling really moved by the reality that I am a half a century old, right? (laughs) And I think there's a way in which we watch these women before us, to your point, get small, older, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, like literally get small, like their bodies Mm -hmm. get hunched over, or they take a backseat, or they get tired, or this like, oh, don't talk about age, yeah, right? I would say, and you know, again, I want to acknowledge the the sort of in, you know, with, with huge gratitude and not taking it for granted, the privilege that I come into this world with, Mm -hmm. right. Even with that, I have spent so much of my life, not feeling good enough, not feeling worthy enough, 
right? Feeling like I had to impress all the people around me and getting exhausted by my need to be perfect all the time. Mm. My deep, deep fear of not being liked, not being included in the quote unquote cool group, right? Whatever the heck that means, you know, when you're right. like a middle school that stays yeah. with you for the rest of for your life. life. Yeah. And I think I hit a point only a couple of years ago, quite frankly, I don't know if I can swear on here, but I'm going to anyway, where I was yeah, like, fuck can. that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there, and it's a, it was a little bit of a like somatic, just coming of age where I was like, oh, this is what everyone's been talking about when they say the little things doesn't matter, right. don't matter. Right. Yeah. Oh, like I thought I knew in my mind what that statement meant, but I actually know it in my body now. There was some of that that I just think was a coming of age over time. Mm. The other big part has been my practice, right? right? So I have just really committed to learning to accept all the parts of myself. I had a long part of my meditation practice every morning where I would bring to mind the memories in the somatic experience of times where I felt small mm. or scared or not enough and learning to literally get curious with and sit with that feeling in my body mm. and to invite this aging wiser part of myself in to the moment while I'm sitting on my pillow in the morning to say, I've got you. Oh. And as part of what we were saying earlier to recognize it's not all bad. That part of me keeps me humble. Yes. That part of me reminds me to make sure that I'm not forget, you know, I'm not, not paying attention to the things right. around me. Right. right. To, to allows me to understand that, oh, my judgment of that person over there is because that person is showing me the parts of myself that I'm uncomfortable with within myself, right? So that the little girl scared, like, ooh, don't upset people part is important as I grow in my business and I get bigger and brighter at age 50. I want to do that with balance. Yeah. I want to do that where I'm also knows, noticing and paying attention to the impact I'm having on people and the people who may not have the opportunity for whatever reason and to invite them in to the table, right? Yeah. So- so I think the practice and meditation and connecting with myself and self-care and slowing down, learning the delights of life has been so important to me, like the delicious moments. You know, I was in my bathroom this morning, kind of going through the motions because I've got two teenage daughters and they were like getting out the door and I was brushing my, and then I like something woke me up and I noticed the, um, feel in Boulder, Colorado, it's like 60 degrees right now, which happens sometimes in the middle of the winter. And the light coming through the window in my bathroom was like, it was like dancing. Uh, and it was a moment of delight. Yeah. I would have never <laughs> seen that moment of delight if I hadn't intentionally begun that process of pausing and pivoting so that I could be more active in my life when it was happening and unfolding in front of me. That so, was a long answer to your question. No, and I love it. I had chills, like so much of what you were saying is it's resonating and it's so, it's beautiful. And I think that's, that's the part of pause that feels just blissful. Yes. And that's, so maybe that's, that's 
a takeaway is that it is okay to pause when you're doing it in an intentional way, not in a yes. way of being forced to. And and you're right, there's moments of light. Yeah, go ahead. Bliss, use the word blissful. It does feel like that. It yeah. feels like bliss. That sort of, and it passes. It's not like oh, yeah. for 12 hours moving <laughs> forward, but it like it is a moving through of such an up, a lifting up of energy. Yeah. That is so filling that then I can give that energy out throughout the day. Yes. One of the other big things that I'll mention that has really been important for me in learning how to fully embrace this stage and love it and feel better about myself and my life than I ever have is my intentional practice and willingness to see the both and, Mm. you know, perimenopause is a time in life and it looks different for every woman and different women have different side effects or uh, symptoms is the word I want to use, or it shows up differently, but there is no life that feels a hundred percent good all the time. And if you're, if you're an adolescent or a new mom or a mom with young kids who are busy all the time or going through perimenopause, there are so many moments that are going to feel hard. Yeah. They're going to feel draining. that are going to feel uncomfortable in our bodies. They're going to feel annoying, like so many. And for me, mental health, quote unquote, is defined by the ability to feel many things at once. I love that. And for it's us to so true. Yeah. Recognize the discomfort and in that moment be able to see the shadow on the bathroom wall mm-hmm. and delight in that in the same moment. Yeah. Right. And it's so possible. And that's I've you know, you know as well. I've I've experienced that so much in the last two years with going through various situations, especially with one of my oldest children and it's it's been moments of absolute sorrow yes. and at the same time experiencing this I'll use an example like having real fear for a situation sorrow absolutely sobbing and then feeling so connected to my husband and thinking gosh I'm so in love with you yes. you know it's like you can have both being able to recognize that I wouldn't have been able to recognize that a few years ago, I would have just been full of the sorrow and wouldn't have recognized the and part it, it is so important. It's so important in the thinking, right? <laughs> so think about this stage of our life, right? So we, we are, our body is literally bringing us to the stage where we can no longer bear children. I don't care. I am a full support of women that never choose to have children. So I don't care if you're someone who chose to have a child or not. Our bodies historically are built to bear children, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And there becomes a time where that capacity goes away. Yeah. There's hormone shifts. There's changing in the structure and shape of our body. There's different. I mean, there's so many changes that happen for us. So many changes. And it's so easy when we're stuck in the feeling bad to be like, I hate being a woman. I hate my body. This period sucks. I wish I was young. I don't want to age. Right. What was, what would it be like in that moment to pause and recognize how flipping hard your body is working. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How flipping hard your body 
is working and that your body has the capacity to do all that stuff that makes you feel like shit, right? Amazing. Yeah. It's like mind boggling that our bodies are doing all of those things. And it's not that we like how it feels, but can we in that moment just find that awe, find Mm. that gratitude, find that amazement in our human body? in its ability and its willingness to go through these chapters of life that every human, every living thing does, right? Goes through chapters of life. So true. And I think that that just connected something for me is why it's been easy for me, I think, to start to adapt some changes in my, my nutrition, for example, where I've been unsuccessful in the past. I'm learning so much about what my body is actually going through because I knew nothing about perimenopause. I was like, this is ridiculous that I don't know. So let me educate myself. So as I'm learning about that, I do how now have this new respect of what's going on and what do I actually, what does my body actually need? A, A big, big, big part of that is less stress. So that's definitely something I can work on. And that relaxation part is, is key. But so is making sure my body is getting what it needs. And therefore, the nutrition part has been easier because there's that correlation with respecting what it actually is going through. Yeah, you're in alignment, right? It's that congruence between our outer ego self, right? The part that the the avatar, right? That's like picking up the food and putting it in your mouth, right? right? It's the alignment and the congruence between that and your inner knowing. Yeah. What do I need? And when we're incongruent, we're out of alignment. Yeah. It's like a kink in the hose. Things don't flow. Yeah. And the moment we get in alignment, things flow, things become more effortless. We feel joy easier. We fight, right? There's just, everything begins to work differently. Yeah. That's amazing. Gosh, I could talk to you for hours, Kate. Like I really could. Right back at you, Joe. (laughs) We'll just keep, we'll keep bumping back and forth and uh, popping back and forth with each other's podcasts. I'd absolutely love that because I know there's going to be a big response from, from the audience and I'm sure there'll be questions that pop up. So yeah, we can definitely have you on for a part two. (laughs) I would just like to spend a moment. I know you've just celebrated being an author and I'd love to, can you tell us a bit about your book? Because it's amazing. I sure can. I wrote a book called Reinventing Supermom, Support, Encouragement, and Strategies for New Mothers Who Who Feel Lost. Um, this book, you know, my, my maternal mental health work really started in maternal mental health. So talk about reproductive mental health, right? Pregnancy and postpartum. And really what this book is and a big part of what I do with with that stage of motherhood, along with the the kind of motherhood as we go on is really Mm. being able to think through what does it mean to be asking those questions that you and I started with today? What do I want and I need to feel the way I want to feel? And by looking at that through our biological health, our, you know, which is our physical body and what are we eating and how are we sleeping and how are we moving our bodies and how much water are we drinking? All those important things, Mm. our psychological health, what are our beliefs and our thoughts? And how do we work with emotions? That's all works into psychological health, our social health, our connections with ourselves, other people in the world around us, and our spiritual health. And I am so fascinated right now by the research on the role of quote unquote spirituality in mental health and well being. And spirituality, as you and I have talked about, being defined as interconnectedness. Yes. Right. 
Yeah. So this book really takes that new mother through things to think about in all of those areas as a way to support health and wellness, mental health and wellness, and prevent things like postpartum depression and anxiety. The work I'm doing sort of outside of that little niche that I'm moving more and more into really working with moms who have sort of school age kids or older, because that's when we begin to have more time. Say what you want. It's really, really hard to take time to care for ourselves when we're caring for these little people that need us all the time. I want moms to be doing that in baby steps, but it is harder to do that then once our children have gone off to daycare or school or something and we have more space, mm. that is really that work, maternal mental health work is really looking at those same four areas and really thinking about looking at the data, the research, anecdotes, my own life, what helps to stabilize those four parts of our life so that we feel good. Mm. And again, the maternal and child mental health is so interconnected, really, as you know, we never want to blame a mom for what's happening for her kids. So it's not about blame, but it's about asking that question. What part am I playing in the things that aren't working for my children and my family and my life? And how can I start to take accountability and ownership for those things? Because when mom feels good, her kids have much more access to feel good. So true. So true. And I know also you talk about that on your, you've got an awesome podcast that you run with a friend, Deb, right? And it's motherhood. Yeah, Motherhood Uncut. Deb Rubin and I um, have this podcast. We bring to the table the parts of motherhood that people really don't like talking about. So we really get messy. It is literally uncut. We try hard not to edit. Um, We try to keep it as raw as possible. So it's funny and humorous, but also uh, can bring tears. And um, there's all kinds of things that we talk about on that podcast. It feels really important to us. We're, we both are trained as therapists. So we really talk about what we have learned both as moms, but also with our clients. Um, and then I have a couple, I have my, my kind of signature group coaching program is my healthy mom boot camp, which just takes mothers through that sort of basic platform of what do we know that we need for mental health and motherhood. And that is sort of my signature program that I am running several times throughout the year. I love it. Absolutely love it. So before I ask you where people can find you, I have one question that I've been asking, and it's actually interesting now because I think about asking it and and we've talked about the word pause, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So what do you refuse to pause on in your life so that you can shine? Oh my gosh, that's such a good question. Let me think for a moment. What do I refuse to pause on in my life so that I can shine. Um, I have so many different ways I would answer this. So <laughs> I'm just gonna give two short snapshots. Yeah, no, my, I have a very regular morning routine practice that <laughs> literally fills me up every morning. And when I don't do it, I know. And it is a, that the short of it is that I read something inspiring every morning. I sit and meditate every morning. Sometimes that's only three minutes by the way, but I do not, not sit. Or when I don't sit, I can tell the difference. So I read something inspiring. I sit, I get outside into nature and I breathe. And those things really fill me up. Um, and then I would say the, the less practical one is that I have to remind myself 
that it is my, um, it is my life purpose to feel good. Mm. And I think that permission of like, oh, it is life is about feeling good. Yeah. I mean, we've already said this, we have to be willing to not feel good in order to feel good, right. but life is really about feeling good. And that mental state has allowed my brain and my heart to look for the things that will lead me to that feeling. And that. so it's become a bit of a magnet. And then I have much more shiny presence in the world when I'm doing oh. that. I love that. I absolutely love that. Both of those answers are fantastic. Thank you. Oh, Kate, I know my listeners are going to want to know where to find you because you're so, you are a magnet. Like I just, I can, I could talk to you all day long. So where can people find you? Thank you for asking. My, my website, katekripke.com has, um, uh, it has all the links to everything, to the book, to the podcast, to my coaching programs that I offer both one-on-one and group coaching programs. Um, Instagram at Kate Kripke. I really try on a regular basis to share easy access tips and strategies. All of them, I, I, I can't say this enough. There's nothing that I share on that that I'm not doing mm-hmm. on a regular basis in my own life. Um, but I, you know, you do the same thing. It's like when we find something that works, we just want to share. And Absolutely. that Instagram reel is a place where I get to do that. Mm. Um, and then the podcast also motherhood uncut, you can get that anywhere. Um, you find your podcasts. We are eight episodes into our second season right now. My book reinventing super mom, you can find on Amazon. Awesome. That is so awesome. And I would, I will definitely back you up on that. Your Instagram. I keep it's, it's like, it comes on the days I need it the most. I'll see a post. I'm like, Oh, I needed that. I need like even putting my feet on the ground. It's those reminders. So definitely go and check out Kate's Instagram, check out everything she just said, but the, the Instagram really is something that it's easy to absorb and it's so, so relevant. I love that's really meaningful to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. And I definitely will have you back on for a part two at some point. I'd love to do that. And you'll come back on to ours. I'm telling you, we're just going to keep, we're going to bop around from one podcast (laughs) to another. Joe, I love being here with you today. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Kate. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave me a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. It helps so much. Also, drop me a line. Let me know which symptom of perimenopause or menopause that you'd like me to write a poem about. If I pick yours, you'll get a little treat. Until next time, have a fabulous day and remember to menno shine your way through this because no one should have to pause.